when I was um, <clears throat> younger, when I was in, when I was eight or nine years old, uh, I would uh, walk back and forth to one of my best friend's house, and uh, and and kind of to get to his house, uh, you had to walk a block over um, and kind of go around a bunch of stuff. Uh, and it was, it was kind of a little bit of a long walk or what I thought was a long walk when I was eight or nine years old, but there was a shortcut. There was a shortcut through that. And, uh, and that was just through somebody's yard, through the back of someone's yard. And, uh, I, you know, one day I got up the courage, just go ahead and walk through somebody's backyard through this, through their side yard and walk, just go ahead and walk through their backyard. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't get caught. Nothing bad happened. I just went on through, and, and nothing ever happened. I walked back that way, and, um, and, and eventually over time, I just kind of get used to walking through this person's yard. And, and this, is, this is one of my best friends. And so I would go over his house sometimes every day. Sometimes I'd walk, and he and I would walk back and forth to my house, and, uh, and the two of us, I'd show him the way. And, and eventually this, uh, where I would walk... It became easier and easier to do, and uh, a little bit of a path got beaten. And you could tell where he and I would walk back and forth numerous times. And uh, and and here, one of the one of the problems was at his house. Uh, one day, I went into uh, his bathroom, and uh, his father had pornography magazines inside of the bathroom. And this is something that I, you know, when I was eight or nine years old, uh, it was kind of forbidden. It was enticing. It was interesting to me. I had never seen anything like that before. And it was just kind of curious. And, and so really what was happening in that was not only was I beating a path through someone's backyard, but as that video showed, I was actually beating a path in my brain to train it, to think a certain way. To, um, to react in a certain way. And this is a part of my past that I am not proud of. Um, it, it happened for a, a very uh, kind of a long period of time, as long as we were friends. And, and it was interesting. It was very secret. I mean, uh, you know, obviously knew, nobody knew about it. <clears throat> um, and, and he and I never spoke about it. Uh, and it was actually, and, and now looking back on it, I, I mean, Friends would come over his house. I'm pretty sure they discovered the same thing I did, and but we never we never really talked about it. It was it was pretty uh, it was a pretty serious deal. I was cutting a pathway through my brain in a way that is taught. Now here's here's something interesting. Last week we talked about how death is is very unnatural that God did not create us to die. Now here's something interesting about these these thoughts that are in my brain, these pathways that are in my brain. God did create that. He created my brain. He created these chemicals that were inside of my brain. It was a very natural thought process. And here's, here's what's natural about it. God created me as a man to desire the female body. I mean, that's just, he was, and, and, and there's something enticing about that that happens in my brain. And there, it was created that way. God made it that way. And so I was actually stimulating something that God had put inside of my brain to be able to use, to desire something. 
And that was very, very natural. I was also desiring something that was incredibly natural and good. I was desiring the female naked form. And that's what I was looking at. And that's what I was enticed by. There's a, uh, there's a guy named William Struthers who writes about this. And he says this. <clears throat> the guys like me fall deeper into the mental habit of fixating on these images. The exposure to them creates neural pathways, as the video showed. Like a path is created in the woods with each successive hiker, so do the neural, the neural path set the course for the next time an erotic image is viewed. And over time, and this is what I want you to get, over time, these neural paths become wider as they are repeatedly traveled and each exposure to, with each exposure to pornography. They become an automatic pathway through which interactions with women are routed. They have unknowingly created a neurological circuit that imprisons their ability to see women rightly as created in God's image. Here's what he means by that. That although it is very natural for my brain to react this way and to create neural pathways and the science of it all is very interesting to me. That's a very natural thing for my body to do and my mind to do. It's also very natural for, uh, for, 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 women, in my, for women to be naked. I mean, it's a, it's a form. That's how we ca- come into the world. That's how God creates us. In fact, if you read in Genesis, clothes are, uh, are part of a fallen world. However, what I was doing was I was, um, I began to treat women in my own mind like objects rather than the image bearer of God. They are to be loved and sacrificed for and not to be treated like objects for my own satisfaction. And what I should have been doing is creating neurological pathways in my brain for redeemed marriage. For redeemed, sanctified, loving marriage. Because let's be honest. Is nudity good? Heck yeah, it is. Right? Sure. Absolutely. You know? You know? It's a good thing. Sex? Good. Right? Right? Good? Yes? Absolutely? Naked pictures of your wife? Awesome. <laughs> right? I mean, pretty much anything that we do, according to the Bible, anything that we do sexually within a heterosexual marriage is totally great. It's redeemed and it's awesome. And God created our minds to think this way, to create these neurological patterns that say, yes, this is good. Those chemicals inside of your brain that react and get, it's actually compared to almost heroin or opium. I mean, it, 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 it just like creates this high for you. And that's, I mean, that's what we go through when something is enticed like that. And it's a very, very good thing. And so God created it that way. The problem is, is that we have shifted what God originally created and mutated it into a form that is not, not exactly what it's supposed to be. And we've moved outside of redeemed marriage. We've, re, we've, removed out, we've moved outside of um, how God intentionally made it to be. And, and I, I share with you my story just to make sure that, that you understand that I've been there. Guys, I know what you and I go through. I understand it. I get it. And so you are not alone. 
And what we have here, and the reason why we're even dealing with this, is because we are dealing with pornography as a national epidemic. Not only national, but a, a worldwide global epidemic. Let me give you some, let me shoot at you some stats, some stats and this is going to be a little overwhelming and a little shocking. 70% of American men view porn at least once a month. 70%. 50% of men who claim to be Christians are addicted to porn, meaning they view it at least once a month. 50%. And you're not alone. 53% of pastors, like me, 53% of pastors visit a porn site a couple times a year, at least a couple times a year. And 18% admit to being addicted to pornography. That's pastors. Pornography is a 14 billion, with a B, billion dollar revenue every year. 14 billion dollars. Just to give you some context, that is more money that is made in the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. It is a very large industry. More money is made uh, on porn than on movies and uh, any performing art that you can think of, like theater. Combined, there are over 1.6 million porn- pornographic websites, and fully 11 percent of the of the websites on the internet are porn websites, and 80 percent of that material is free. 80 percent of pornographic material on the internet is free. Pornographic websites are viewed more than Google, Yahoo, and MSN. Combined. <clears throat> and women are not exempt from this, although it is significantly less. Uh, 34% of women admit to intentionally ex- accessing porn, and 20% of women now, and it's rising, are addicted to pornography. And it's no wonder that the first, usually the average age for the first expo- exposure to porn is 11 years old. And, uh, and even some studies as recently as last year say that the first exposure to pornography is eight years old, if you're like me. So obviously this is a problem. Obviously we have, our nation, our culture has been overcome by something. When you're talking about something that is 70% of American men deal with this on a monthly basis, on a regular basis, and for me, I mean, this is just, I don't have any stats for this, but for me, I have never, ever, and you can come up to me after the service, but I, it, if you'd be bold enough, I have never met another man who has not struggled with this. Every single man I have ever spoken to in my entire life has dealt with this at some level at some time of his life. I'm not saying that they are doing it now. I'm just saying that they are, they have in their past at least once or currently dealing with this pornographic issue. It is a big deal. Um, and, and it is taking over our society. So much so that it is, obviously, if you watch TV, porn is, is becoming commonplace. It, we're becoming very numb to it. Uh, in, in fact, it, it is the source of uh, a great amount of humor in our, in our television, if you've ever watched it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just funny. It's something to laugh about, right? And here, here's, I, wanna, I want you to listen to a quote from, from John Mayer. He's a, he's a musical artist. Um, he says this. 
Porn has absolutely changed my generation's expectations. When I watch porn, and I mean, John Mayer's a lost person who, you know, has been known to, to have many, uh, many relationships. When I watch porn, if it's not hot enough, I'll make up backstories in my mind. And this is a problem now. Rather than, get this, I just want you to listen to this. Rather than meet someone new, I would rather go home and replay amazing experiences that I've already had. What that explains is that I'm more comfortable in my imagination than I am in actual human discovery. What he means by that is I'd rather watch porn than have sex with a woman. That's what he's saying. It's amazing. And this is, this is a guy that has ample ability to have sex with whoever he wants to. He'd rather have sex with himself or watch people have sex than actually doing the act himself. So before we go any further, let's define this. Our Supreme Court uh, in recent times have, ha- have had to try to define what porn is exactly. And they've had trouble. They have actually changed it a couple of times. And I'm not talking about porn as in like if you, like one time when I was in ninth grade, I went to, uh, I went to Italy and, uh, and I didn't understand this dynamic. And like if you go over, you go to Italy, art is everywhere. And especially art in the naked human form. And so it was a little bit disconcerting to me as, a, as, a, as like a 14-year-old. I was, I was a little bit freaked out, you know, going and checking out. Like, I mean, we're, we're going and checking out the, the, uh, the you know, statue of David by Michelangelo, who's just you know, standing there in all of his glory, right? And, I, you know, it amazed me that you have all these guys just staring at this thing. I'm like... Really? Like, how amazing is that? I mean, I, I don't get... So I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about art like that. Uh, that that's a very specific form of art. I'm not talking about that, even though obviously that can be used, that can be used in a deprived mind. But here's, here's what I'm talking about. And I'll list these out. Uh, I'm talking about porno movies, magazines, porno websites, online sexual chat, romance novels, phone sex with paid operators, explicit movies lingerie catalogs, and here it is, and even the swimsuit editions of sports magazines, which, get this, show more than the first Playboy did in 1953. Your 12-year-old boy can access more porn than was available in 1953 if they go to the grocery store and no one will stop him. It has become a part of our culture. It is who we are. Now, let me, let me, here's the criteria that gives me that definition. Uh, here's some criteria for porn. Uh, the message in each pornography, uh, the message consists that women want sex from, from, from all men, all of the time, in all sorts of different ways. That's, that's what porn tells us. And women really, really enjoy whatever a man does to them sexually. And that any, any woman who does not want to do anything... Any one of these acts can be quickly brought in line with force or intimidation. And the women, is, women, women are dominated and the man exploits her as a tool for his pleasure. And she is not a person, but just mere parts. That's what pornography is. It is not love. It is not sacrifice. It is certainly not fidelity. It is sin and wrong and evil. And it portrays acts and it goes into our brain. Now get this, think about this for a second. Our body, when we consume food, we have a natural process where our body creates waste and it deals with that. Right? Regularly, every day, deals with what we consume. 
Here's the problem with our brain is our brain does not have a system of waste. There are images in my brain that have been there since I was nine years old. And I cannot get rid of them. There's no flush. There's no ability for them to be expunged from my brain. They are there and they are there forever. Here's, a, um, here's the good news. God speaks to us. He speaks about this topic. And I want to look at this in Ephesians 5. So if you have a Bible, Ephesians 5, chapter 1, uh, we're going to read the first 14 verses together uh, in just a little bit. So Ephesians 5, and it'll be up on the screen. We'll walk through this together because I want to tell you that there is great hope. It says this in verse 1. It'll be up on the screen. Therefore, be, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's the great part, that Jesus dealt with this. Now, they didn't have pornography in Jesus' day. We didn't film anything. They didn't have pictures or anything like that. However, you're still dealing with sexual temptation. It says, it says in the Gospels that Jesus, was, uh, that Jesus dealt with every sort of temptation that we did, and Jesus dealt with sexual temptation. I guarantee you that he did. And so he rose above this, which is fantastic. And so what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 is, be imitators of God. Be an imitator, meaning someone who copies. This is the example. You should walk this way. You should do it like this. Be imitators. And I love this. That, uh, and we walk in love. We walk in love as Christ loved us. Here's the problem. There is nothing Loving about pornography. There is nothing loving about pornography. Gawking at a naked woman's body who is not your wife is certainly not loving her. If you were to hear testimonies of women who are engaged in this business, they are usually raped first. They are then kind of owned by some type of pimp. Uh, Their freedoms are taken away and they are imprisoned into this society or this culture that they are in. And you are feeding that monster by going in and being a part of our culture that feeds on pornography. You are certainly not loving that girl that you are watching on the screen. You are certainly not watching, or you're certainly not loving those people on the screen. You're not loving those producers. You're not loving those directors. You're not loving those distributors. You are feeding in to their sin. You are not loving them as Christ loved us, and certainly not loving, um, you're certainly not loving as Christ would have. And of course, lusting after and gaining sexual satisfaction from someone other than your wife or your husband is certainly not loving to them. You are replacing them. It is the, the, the Bible just compares this directly to adultery. He says, it says very clearly in the Sermon on the Mount that it, it, it's, not about, um, it, it's not about whether you commit adultery or not. It's if you commit an act of lust in your own head. You have already, Jesus said, you have already committed adultery with that woman in your own heart. That it happens here first. And it's the same ugly, nasty sin. And we deal with that. Now, the consequences are way different. 
However, we are not loving our spouse because we are replacing her or him with another image. That we are gaining satisfaction from and it's not her or him. So we are certainly not loving our spouse. And ladies, let me speak to you about this. Romance novels, I listed that in here. Romance novels, just because they're not pictures, doesn't mean they're any less porn. They describe something that you take in and you listen to and it becomes your reality. And it's certainly not a standard for for what you raise up to be men in your life. Those pictures, I mean, it's no doubt. I mean, you have Fabio on the cover and he's ripped and he's got this beautiful hair and he's just awesome looking. And he he spends all of his time, hours romancing you and he would never touch you. And I mean, he's he's only going to do so when you give him permission. And, you know, you just want Fabio in your life and you look at your husband, you're like, oh, Flabio, thanks. (laughs) You know, I, oh, you know, you're, 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 you know. Flabio over here is not going to measure up to the other guy. It's not going to happen. And so when you enter into these images, women, in your brain, and you begin to make these personal relationships in your own brain, you are replacing your husband. You are replacing your husband. And ladies, let me say this. Statistically, you are, believe it or not, you are more likely to cheat on your husband than your husband is to cheat on you in reality, to actually commit adultery. Now, you might say, well, my husband watches porn and commits adultery all the time. I understand. I get you. I'm with you. Okay? The consequences are a little bit different when you actually act on this. And so just know that. Know that that's a reality, that it happens. Let's read 3 through 6. It says this, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Underline that. If you have a pen, underline that in your Bible. Must not even be named among you as is, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. I mean, do you read that again on your own time. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What this scripture is saying is that this is the deepest form of sin, and it says that the wrath of God works against you. And I, I want to go back to that. I want to go back to that first little, it says in verse three, but the sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named about you. There's another scripture that says that we shouldn't even have a hint of this. That it shouldn't even be a little tiny bit. You might be saying, Charlie, I hear you, but this is only something that I do maybe once a year, twice a year. I might dive into this. I might be staying up late a little bit and watching some TV that I probably shouldn't. Um, I, you know, I don't really actually that a lot. I really don't have time, but you know, it happens every once in a while. What the Bible is saying is it's not even a little bit that just a little bit will lead to a lot more, which will lead to a lot more, which will lead to a devastatingly lot more of things that it's a very slippery slope that pornography leads us into a very hard environment. And we begin and remember the video, we begin the little bit more just paves a small little path 
that eventually becomes easier to go down and easier to go down and easier to go down. Eventually, something bigger can go down it and something bigger than that can go down it. And the more we frequent that, the, the, that pathway, the more easy it is to go down something bigger and harsher and meaner and more evil. I want to, I want to read to you a statement um, from someone who got to the depth of this um, to the point where things began to actually get violent. He says this, I grew up in a wonderful home with two dedicated and loving parents as one of five brothers and sisters. Get this. I want you to hear this. We as children were the focus of my parents' lives. We regularly attended church. My parents did not drink or smoke or gamble. There was no physical abuse or fighting in my home. It was a fine, solid Christian home. And I want to emphasize that. The most damaging kind of pornography, and I'm talking from hard, real, personal experience, is that, is that which involves violence and sexual violence. The wedding, those, the wedding of those two forces, as I know only too well, brings about behavior that is too terrible to describe. Once you become an addict to it, you look for something more potent, more explicit, more graphic. Like an addiction, you keep craving something which is harder and gives you a greater sense of excitement until you reach the point where the pornography, get this, I want you to listen, where the pornography only goes so far that the, the jumping point where you begin to think maybe actually doing it will give, it will give you that which is beyond reading about it and looking at it. That is a statement that was made by Ted Bundy a couple hours before he was executed for raping and murdering 36 women. He was a part of a Christian home with loving parents, and it began with pornography. Now, am I saying, am I saying that, you, uh, that you and I, those who maybe partake in this every once in a while, am I saying that you are going to become a mass murderer? No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that it can escalate, and it can escalate very quickly. And things can get worse and worse and worse. And as we give the devil a foothold, as it says in Scripture, that things can get much worse. But here comes the hope, okay? <laughs> we dove into this. Let's look at the hope. Verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Men, take a pen and underline that. But instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And I want you to circle this one too. And Christ will shine on you. And Christ will shine on you. Now, we're not just talking about behavioral modification. Um, you know, when I, um, uh, there's been sometimes, and, and not, not lately, but you'll, 
I love when we have my yard, right? And uh, my yard, especially in the springtime, if I don't fertilize it, if I don't take care of it, uh, we have just massive amounts of weeds. Is there anybody's yard that is less, less grass and more weeds? Anybody out there? Okay, right. Now, <laughs> yeah, less grass and more weeds, and it's just, it's just, it just looks pretty terrible, and everything kind of grows up, right? What happens when we mow that down? You, just, you, take a, you take a mower, and everything is at the same level. Everything is kind of mowed down, and it is a little bit green. It looks okay, you know? I can mow my grass right now. I've got some weeds growing up in it, and it doesn't look so good right now. Things are a little bit overgrown. I've got some grass, got some weeds. But if I come alongside and I just mow everything down, uh, it, all, it looks pretty good. Or at least it looks pretty good for a couple days. So here's, here's what I want to say. There are a couple of you guys in this room and girls in this room who, what you're going to listen to, you're going to listen to this and say, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to, it's, it's not going to be a problem anymore. I'm just going to stop. I can stop. It's just going to be over. It's going to be over. I'm going to close that gate. It's going to be fun. Right? I'm going to mow over that stuff and it's going to be fine. The thing is, is the gospel has a lot more to say about who we are from the root then what just grows up a couple days later, it will come back. It will come back and it'll come back even healthier and bigger than ever. We can't, with our sin, we can't just mow it over and say, oh, we're good, we're good now. I'm good. Honey, we're good, I'm good, it's over. We have to be able to attack it at the root. And what, what scripture says here in Ephesians 5 is it says, expose it. Dig it up. Dig it up at the root. Do not allow for it to grow anymore. Now, is that going to be tough? Now, in your grass, if you were to go and pull up large sections of weeds where there is no grass, is your grass going to look very good? Not really. It's going to look pretty rough. It's going to look like it's got a bunch of holes in it. But that's who we are. If we be able to, if we start digging that stuff out, it's going to leave giant holes in who we are. But here's the glory in it. It says in the end, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, because that's who we are. Christ will shine on you. There is great hope for you. You might be looking at, listening to me and say, I've struggled with this for years. It's always been a problem. What I want to say is there's great hope for you. There's great hope for you and your family. There's great hope for your marriage. It can be healed. It can be redeemed. Is it going to be a continued struggle? Yes, it will be. But first, here's, and here's the gospel through this all. The only way that this is going to change is if, if those holes are filled with Christ. That Jesus knew who we were. He was tempted by the same things, but he never sinned. And he comes into our life to fill these giant holes in who we are. And he attaches himself to our life. And he begins battling with the sin that's still in there. It begins to deal with it at a harsh level. And what, what the Bible says is we are supposed to confess that sin. Not only to God, which that is the first act, is to be, be able to confess sin to God. But it also says to confess our sin to one another. Now, man, I know that I just, whoop, just stepped over a big hurdle. It's one thing to sit at the end of the service. I'm going to give you a moment to do this. To sit and confess our sin to God. We can do that. That's, that's, uh, I wouldn't say that that's easy. But it's certainly easier than confessing it to somebody else. And so what what the Bible has to say here is to expose it. Meaning to shed light on it. That it should be out in the open. Not to everybody. 
But to some, to some, and we need to put real accountability systems in our life so that Christ can shine into our life. So here's, I want to do a couple, I want to just talk to, I want to talk to you practically about a couple things. Men, let me talk to you for a second. The first thing that obviously needs to happen here is there needs to be a stoppage point. You need to get real with yourself and be really honest and say, I have an issue. I have a problem. I don't care whether it's once a year, once a month, once a, once a week, once a day. I don't care what your problem is. It needs to be dealt with. You have to be very real about this. Don't be in denial. Nothing is okay when it's outside of your, outside of your marriage. You can do whatever. I don't care what you do inside of your marriage. Have a lot of fun. But when you're talking about outside of your marriage, you're getting into some significant sins. So the, obviously the first act is stopping. The second act is getting some accountability. There needs to be some accountability in your life. There has to be someone in your life that you speak to about this. And I would encourage you to get another guy in your life that you can speak to openly. And here it is, that you give permission to to speak into your life about this. That you give permission to ask hard questions of you. Right? I have that in my own life. Somebody comes in and I give you full permission to ask whatever question you want. And I, it, it, it's a struggle to answer honestly. It is a struggle to answer honestly. But that's, I give permission to a very select few men in my life to ask hard questions of me. That don't think I'm a big deal. And that care for me enough to ask those hard questions. And I, I, I would hope that men, that you would have someone in your life that does that for you. Someone that is close to you. And it, it should not, I'm just going to tell you, it should not be your wife. Now, your wife can be a source of encouragement for you. You can be open about this with your wife, but this is not a regular thing that you should do with your wife. It's not very healthy. Okay. Now, the other part of this, the majority of pornographic material is in the most accessible is, is on the internet. You should have some type of accountability on your computer. I have something called, uh, I have a program through triplexchurch.com. Joel and I both work with that program. Uh, There's a a more hefty program called covenanteyes.com. I had that on my computer uh, for a very long time. I I would ask you to get that onto your computer. It should be there. It's an accountability software. You should have something like that if this is a problem. You need some accountability into your life. And, and, and let, me, let me say this, and, I'll, and I don't preach about this, just yell at you, walk away, and say, deal with it. If this is, now, we're, I'm not, there's not going to be an invitation today, okay? If you want to speak with me after when we're singing this last song or after the service, that, that's totally fine. I will be available. I would love to talk with you about this, man. That's, I will be available all day long. But I understand I'm not going to stand up here and ask you to come and pray with me. That's not how we're going to work this, okay? All right. Email me. Call me. charlie.w.swain at gmail.com. Email me. Just let me, hey, I need to meet with you. I need to talk with you about this. We, I don't know anybody else in my life that I can talk to you about this. Joel, ainsworth.joel at gmail.com. Talk to your missional community leader, somebody. Talk to them about this. Walk with them through this. If this is something significant that you need to work with, it might be time to see a counselor. And that's okay, too. And if if you want to talk with me, then we can talk about that, too. But if it's significant, we need to do that. Now, ladies, one more thing for you guys. Start romancing your wife. (laughs) Right? Right? 
that whole neurological pathway can be subverted back to its original intent to love and romance and your wife. There's not a whole lot of need for porn when you have a really great romantic relationship with your wife. Right? You know what I'm saying? Right? Get naked with your wife. Right? Not a whole lot of need for porn after that. Right? Okay. I think that stands for itself. Um, ladies, this may have been pretty shocking for you. This may have been kind of disturbing for you. Uh, and, um, and for some of you, actually, this might be a problem that applies. And so all that stuff that I just said definitely applies. And some of you, are, you might be listening to me and just completely disgusted by this. And you're really just like, what? It, it, I, you're either saying, my husband doesn't deal with it, which is a lie. Or you just, you just don't want, you're just like, oh, I, I, I just don't want to handle that right now. I can't. I can't handle it. And so what I would encourage you to do is be brave, have some courage, know that it's an issue, know that it's a problem, and you can begin to speak and, at, and offer redemption. Here's the worst thing that you can do. Sit your husband down and say, do you do this? Tell me about it. I want to know every bit of it. What's your struggle? Give it to me right now. I want to know how many girls have you been with? You know, I, that's not healthy, right? That's not good. That's not redemptive. That's not a good plan. Okay, if you do talk through it, I need you to give a lot of grace and I need you to look them straight in the eye and say, I love you. I will never leave you. And whatever, if there isn't ever an issue, I want to work through this with you. Now, you should not be on a regular basis. The person who talks with him about this, that's not a good idea. That's not healthy for you. However, it is it is a good idea to be able to be honest with each other. You don't need to dive into the depths of this, but you do need to be honest with each other and offer some redemption. And on the fun side, do it with your husband. I mean, on the fun side, here's, you know, here's in our culture with marriage, it's like, uh, you know, it's made fun of when, uh, when a man wants, sexually desires his wife. And here's the normal Hollywood picture, the rolling of the eyes, the, he wants it all the time. You know, leave me alone. You're pestering me, right? You do understand that this is a God-given chemical reaction, mind-blowing, heart-throbbing want that he has that he is directing towards you, not something else. This should be awesome for you. This, I mean, not, I'm, no, I'm not saying that you need to become some kind of slave or something. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you just need to give it up anytime he wants it. All, all I'm saying is that you should be encouraged by the fact that your husband wants you. This should be a good thing. When he does this, you should smile. If it's the right time, if it's the right time, go for it. If it's not the right time, talk to him about when it is a good time. And, and talk to him and plan it out. And say, you know, hey, right now, can we, and just say, hey, can we just wait just a little bit long? I mean, can we, can we, can we get through dinner first? I mean, just what, I mean, <laughs> whatever you need to do. But here's what you don't want to do. He is addressing his attraction onto you. This should be encouraged. It is positive. It is a good idea. And never, do not, please don't put a negative spin on what that is. Because it's very natural for him to do that. So I encourage you, ladies, please do that. Please encourage your husbands in that way. Please do. You want lessons? Ask my wife. She's awesome at it. We have three kids that are three and under. Um, uh, parents, let's talk about this for a second. I'm almost done. I know this has been, you've been here a long time. 
parents, don't, buy, don't be naive about this. The average age of exposure is somewhere between 8 and 11. 8 and 11. Your little boys need to know about this. When they get about to that age, you need to be protecting them. You need protections on your computer. Your computer should not be in a private room. It should be out in a public place where everybody can see it. If you give them iPods and stuff like that, that is a private computer. They should, you should be checking up on that, and they should be accountable to that, right? You need, do not be naive about this. If you have little boys, fathers, you need to be speaking into their life about this. It needs to be real. When they start getting to that age of 8, 9, 10, it is time to begin having conversations. Do you need to give them the whole talk? I mean, it would probably be better to drip it rather than pour it on them, right? But begin that conversation. Begin to speak into their life about that. Your daughters, right? Our culture is going to push your daughters to be like the girls on the videos. They're going to push them to dress that way. They're going to push them to act that way. They're going to push them to be that way. You need to teach them about purity, Christ-likeness. To be how to be taught by a man and not a boy. That's for real. Be protective parents. Watch over them. If you are a student, single, uh, if, if, if all, this, all these jokes that I've made about um, husbands and wives and you're just like, that's not me. I can't do that. I understand. I'm with you. Here's the great part about Jesus being single. He struggled with this too. Never married, never had this availability. However, in that first, in that first verse, it says, imitate God. Imitate God. Jesus, be exactly who he is. And what you are doing is you are preparing yourself and your heart for intimacy with your spouse. If you're a guy and you're a student you, and you're single, you need to be preparing your mind for your wife. You need to be protecting it on a regular basis. Same thing goes for females. So protect, protect, abstinence, per, you know, seek perfection, seek to imitate Christ. Begin to begin to know what this stuff is. So what happened to the path in my life? I, uh, I, we moved away from that place. I went back a couple of years later and, uh, and just took a gander at what the path. We were walking down the street. I took a, ga- like a gander as to what that path looked like. Everything had grown back. Trees and bushes had gone into its place. And one of the neighbors had put up a fence. And that path is no longer available. If I wanted to walk the path again, I couldn't. In my own life, that's been the story. That's been the story of redemption for me and my wife. That, that God has um, completely overgrown all of that path for me. Now, that's not to say that I'm not tempted by this. In fact, it's an every, every week kind of thing where I have to deal with it. Where I have to, where I have to carve new paths in my own brain. In my own heart. And say I love Jesus. More than anything. I love my wife. And I would never want to hurt them. I would never want to hurt other people. And we need to carve out that extra path. In our life. So here's your challenge. Here's your one step. We're going to give you a minute. And the band's going to come up. And they're going to play. And I want you to take a minute. Before you stand up. Guys, this is your chance just to pour out your heart before God and say, I want to take this next step. I want to repent. I want to walk with you. And I confess my sin of this. I'm going to walk away from this. Here's your next step. A lot of you are in huddles. If you're in a huddle, 
whether you're a girl or a guy, that means a huddle is a, uh, like a little triad of two or three people that walk, that walk together and uh, share life together and um, that read the Bible together. First, I hope that you would get in one. Just find somebody that you know and read the Bible together, right? right? If you are in a huddle, if you are in a huddle, I hope that your huddle is really intense this week and deal with this subject. You need to. You need, mine will. Where's Ben? We're going to deal with it this way, buddy. It's, it's going to be intense this week. Where's Curtis? Right? We're going to deal with it, brother, this week. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be good. I hope that you in your huddles will do the same. Walk with somebody. If you need me, I'll be in the back. Please come and talk to me. If you don't want that picture, if you don't want that perception, that's fine. Just contact Joel or I this week. I want to talk to you and walk through through this. Thank you for, uh, for allowing me to deal with this subject. I hope that it's been helpful. There is redemption and there is hope. And we're going to be done here in just a minute. Let's pray. Father, I, I'm grateful. Uh, I know that's been long and hard and just kind of difficult to work through this. And it's a hard subject. I'm grateful that we can um, come before you in redemption. And uh, Father, I just pray that you would help us now just to sing of that redemption, that your blood covers over our sin, that it covers over who we are. And um, Father, I pray for that guy in the audience right now that is wondering, um, <laughs> is, is, is dealing with this harshly. And it's in his past and he doesn't, um, know how really to, to come free of this. And um, that whole exposure frightens him. Um, I, Father, I pray that you give him courage to come and talk to me. I pray that you give him courage to email me. Uh, Father, I just I pray that you would just allow these guys, these girls to respond and know that there's hope and restoration for them. Thank you for the blood of Christ. In your name we pray, amen.